Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Season 2 of In the Corner, everyone's favorite podcast dedicated to Notre Dame boxing. As always, I'm your host, Matt Gelchin. This season, we'll be hearing from a series of Bengal Bouts boxers. I'm delighted that our first guest is Cam Nolan, a 2019 Notre Dame grad and former Bengal Bouts captain. Cam, welcome to In the Corner. Thank you for having me, Coach Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. So I believe that this is the ninth total podcast episode. And in some ways, I'm most nervous for this one as Cam was the host of a wildly popular radio show while a student at Notre Dame. Isn't that right, Cam? That is that is very true. I have uh, plenty of experience on air, so you're... You're interviewing a seasoned, uh, a seasoned radio show guest. Uh, we were, uh, my friend and I had a podcast named Passion Fruit LaCroix, which was a kind of an all things talk and rock uh, radio show every week we did senior year. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was uh, hosted during the primetime hours of, what was it, like Sunday at five o'clock or something? <laughs> Sunday at 2 p.m. Oh, know, yes. When, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was... Uh, it was uh, definitely not prime time, but uh, we got we got some people to listen. We got well, no, I mean, no. Who who wants to watch the second quarter of an NFL game when they could be <laughs> listening to your your uh, podcast, your your radio show? It's uh, <laughs> exactly what we thought. <laughs> uh, so having having had the great uh, privilege of getting to know you over the years, I, I know how important this program was to you and is to you, but I don't know that I, we've ever talked about why you started boxing. And, and so maybe we'll just begin there of what prompted you to join Bengal Bouts? That's a, that's a great question. Um, it, it definitely happened, I think pretty gradually. And there's kind of a number of factors that, you know, brought me to that point. I, and, and it, it happened so gradually and kind of casually that I can't really remember a hard starting point, but I do remember learning about it when I, you know, after being accepted into Notre Dame and looking at the things I could participate in. And I thought that was just, you know, I remember seeing the posters online and thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. This looks really cool. And then, you know, it kind of drifted to the back of my mind. And then I started hearing more and more about it in the fall. And, um, you know, and I remember going to the first practice and I was just, you know, they, they, we were out on the fields by, uh, a, in, in um, the fields near um, Steppen Center, the Steppen Fields. <laughs> it's been a while. And, and they just, it, the, the workout kicked my butt. And I remember looking at those captains and thinking like, wow, these guys, these guys have it all together. And, uh, you know, I just kept on showing up to practices I, uh, and I just started falling in love with the club. I started falling in love with the workouts and I thought it was, you know, I think freshman year, I was really trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do at Notre Dame. And, you know, boxing was one of the first things that I really latched onto and really bought into and really knew that I loved and knew that I wanted it to be a part of my experience. Mm. Yeah. And no, I think, uh, it, it just amazes me how so many boxers have the experience of they show up having an inkling that they could, that this could be for them. And then it just uh, becomes something that they find themselves thinking like, how do I do anything but throw myself so fully into this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. I think it was, 
you know, for a lot of the, a lot of the guys that end up doing it feels so natural. It feels, you know, it's just, they know they have to do it. It's not, uh, terribly uncommon for boxers after they have this experience of they go through the training, they're getting in better shape, they're learning how to box and, and they get in the ring for a spar. And sometimes it's his first, but I feel like more often it'll come just a little bit later on where he'll have a moment of, whoa, welcome to boxing. Did you ever have a, a spar like that? I, yeah, I definitely had a couple. I, uh, I, kept on throwing myself at spars freshman year and really trying to get as much experience as I could. And I remember having one against the president of the club. He was a senior when we were freshmen and he just, you know, he was going easy on me because I was a freshman that didn't know much and I was, you know, still probably December. So pretty early. And, you know, he popped me a few times and I was, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, Is that it, Ellen it was, yeah, I think so. It was Ellenwood. And and it was uh it was a rude awakening. And but I remember, you know, I I've I've told people this that, you know, maybe maybe you shouldn't say this on the podcast, but getting getting punched in the face is one of the best feelings in the world. <laughs> because it wakes you up and it you know, you, you get popped and you say, Okay, now we're playing. Now now we can box. And it was uh despite getting, you know, this, despite, you know, being pretty easily handled in those first few bouts, I felt invigorated and challenged by them. I felt, you know, I knew, I knew I wasn't doing well, but I knew I, I had opportunities to improve and it, you know, it, it, they excited me more than they discouraged me, weirdly mm. enough. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, all of us like to think that, sure, I'll handle adversity well, or sure, I'm, I'm capable of uh, staying cool under pressure. And when you get in the ring and you find yourself getting hit for the, <laughs> the first time or two, uh, it, it is almost a, there is an element of gratification of like, Oh, like maybe, maybe there is there what I hope there was that I can yeah. respond here. Um, so if my, if my memory is correct here, I believe you went to Bangladesh after your freshman year as a part of the ISS SLP. Was that the right timing? Yeah, exactly. And what was that experience like? And how did that period of eight weeks over the summer change your relationship with Bengal Bouts? That's a great question. I think... Um, was the second one a great question? I know you said the first one was a great question. I can't remember if the second <laughs> one... I don't know if I'm just two for three or... <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I have no response to that. Um, I, uh, it was, it was a tough experience. It was, it was a really interesting and challenging experience, but you're definitely, you know, you're in a very remote part of a country that's kind of remote in a lot of ways. And, you know, you don't have, you know, you're all alone while your friends are off and doing fun things that summer. And, you know, you're just with one other guy and a couple priests in a, in a village. And, um, you know, it was a pretty, pretty challenging experience in, in a lot of ways, but I think, you know, we got to travel around the country a lot. We got to go to dozens of schools and dozens of different small parishes and villages. And, and each time we were at a new parish, you know, the priest would point out, you see that school right there. You see that, that the hostel where the, the students live, you know, Bengal Bouts paid for that. So, you know, I, I, I don't kid myself in thinking that I, 
that I went there and, you know, taught, taught English to hundreds of students and, you know, helped their lives forever. But, you know, it did allow me to, you know, serve as a witness to, you know, what, you know, what our fundraising does every year. And it builds, it builds schools, it builds homes, it builds communities. And, you know, and it, because of that, because of a thousand other things, it was one of the coolest ex experiences that I've ever had. One of the most maturing, one of the most challenging experiences. And I think, you know, I was probably going to box for all four years because I love to visit sport and I love the community. But after you go on that trip, after you spend two months in those villages with the people, it takes a special type of person not to fully commit to boxing after that experience. It's, it was so easy. It, it just, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to give everything I could to this club because I could see the, the tangible good it had for so many people. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful hearing you say that you had a, a priest who's living this to point to buildings and say that in, in some way you're part of this. And this 80 plus year, I guess at the time would have been 80 after the 86th year, uh, your, after your freshman year, I think, um, mm. to think like, gosh, that was that is what I'm entering into. Um, that is really, really cool. So I, I try to do a little bit of preparation for each of these interviews. And I came across a quote you had in The Observer. And you said that Bengal Bouts combines two things that you care most about. One is competition and two is service and serving those that need our help. You went on to say, I get to channel all my competitive energy and all my fighting spirit to a cause that has been around for 89 years now and extends so much beyond myself. So first off, that's pretty cool. Uh, secondly, how did those elements of competition and service, which some could potentially perceive as being in conflict with one another, work hand in hand for you? I was about to say that's a great question, but <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. I, I guess I need to use that uh, phrase more selectively. Um, like like a boxer, you gotta you gotta mix it up each time. You, yeah. you, can't, you lead with the jab. Yeah, I, can't, you can't, I can't just play haymakers. <laughs> Not on this uh, podcast. Um, well, I think competition is innate to, you know, kind of everything we do. I think, you know, there's, you know, an element of competition, you know, you can kind of look at the natural world and everything's competing against each other and, and it results in a sum being greater than its parts. You know, the competition allows for a lot of good things to come out of it. Um, and so I do believe competition in a lot of ways is a good thing, as long as you're directing your competitive energies towards a noble cause. And I think, you know, if, if my competitive energies were only, only directing it towards, you know, I want to win this match, I want to win this bout, that's good. But when you can combine that with something even more powerful, even more good than just winning, you know, which is, which is serving others, I mean, it becomes so much more powerful and the rewards that it reaps are, you know, so much more abundant. And I think being able to attach that deep sense of purpose of, raising money and raising money for a worthy cause and, and, you know, doing all the other great things the club does for, you know, all the men and women that participate in it, you know, it just makes the competition that much more purposeful, that much more worthy. And, you know, it just pays off, you know, in so much greater amounts. 
you had the experience of being around as a captain, you had the experience of being around and helping out with the women's season in the fall uh, of your senior year. And, and through that process, you got to, to work with your cousin, Erin, uh, and help her as she was starting her boxing journey. What was that experience like, uh, uh, getting to yeah. be there by your cousin's side? So full disclosure, she's actually my second cousin. I thought that was the case. Yeah. I was like, it's better for, I feel safer for me to say She's second cousin. cousin in case I'm wrong. And it's like, no, 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 we're actually closer than that. Um, and I well, corrected me. Yeah, no, it's okay. But so this is, I had to preface with that so I can uh, <laughs> tell the story of how we met. Our, um, our fathers are cousins and had grown disconnected over the past 10 or 20 years and got reconnected at a, like an extended family function and found out that my father, you know, I was at Notre Dame and my, co- my father's cousin, his daughter was going to be a freshman at Notre Dame. So my dad told me that, oh, you have a second cousin coming to, coming to Notre Dame. And I was like, oh, great. And I, uh, you know, when you told me that in May and by August, you know, that's not something I was thinking about. Um, and, you know, Barackabouts practices are starting and I'm, and I'm, you know, going to the practices and coaching up a lot of the, a lot of the women. And then probably at the first or second home game of the season, my dad brings uh, a, a father and his daughter up to me and says, hey, Kim, this is your second cousin, Aaron. I'd like you to meet her. <laughs> it's like, I already know you. <laughs> so we, had, uh, we met as, uh, we met as uh, in Barackabouts before we met as cousins. Before we met as family, we met, you know, via boxing. So uh, it, was, it was pretty cool that, you know, we kind of already had that established. And then once we knew we were, we were blood, you know, I was all in on making sure that she was, that she could become the best Barackabouts boxer that she could become. So it was, uh, it was, it was a pretty cool way to, you know, kind of, it, it was a cool opportunity to um, start a relationship with someone that his family is, you know, <laughs> let's bond over the Barackabouts, let's bond over boxing. So it was a really cool, really cool opportunity. That is an awesome story. Uh, and, and that, yes, that is an important uh, way to preface that story. <laughs> so we'll transition to what's uh, always a ton of fun for me, uh, the hot seat portion of the podcast. And so uh, I got my phone here. I'm going to set the timer for 45 seconds and then just uh, hit you with some rapid fire questions. All right. Ready, set, go. Favorite TV show? Ooh, The Wire. Oh, man. One for one with the answer so far. (laughs) Favorite place on campus? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, around the lakes. Favorite thing about your hometown? Ooh, the pine trees. Uh, favorite thing about what was actually your hometown for college, uh, outside the suburb in the suburbs of Chicago? Not a lot. Uh, the proximity to Notre Dame. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite dessert? Chocolate chip cookies with milk. Uh, South or North Dining Hall? South Dining Hall. Easy, easy. And finally, um, favorite boxing combination? Ooh, one, one, 
Duck three two. Mm. Flip three two. Um that combination I think had two more jabs in it than I recall you throwing in the <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, you, uh, I will say by the end of, uh, by the end of your time, your, your jab was a, uh, was a good, I was going to say weapon. That's not, I feel like that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good punch that you had developed. Thank you. Thank you. So Bengal bouts has been around a long time and it's rare that someone gets to own a piece of its history. As far as we know, and I know uh, in all seriousness, this, this can almost be a, a sensitive topic, but you participated in the only Bengal bouts match to end in a tie. Walk me through the emotions you had, whether as the decision was announced or in the following days, what, what was that like? Yeah, that's, uh, it was, a, it was a, a pretty interesting experience to be a part of. Um, I think the moments after a match like that, you know, you're so succumb to exhaustion that, that everything feels raw. Everything feels a little numb. So I think, you know, when, when we heard that it was a tie, you know, it didn't really sink in for quite a while. It was just, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like anything. And, you know, shout out to Michael Kresak, you know, it was a great match. I think, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was as close to a tie as, you know, I think a match can be. Um, I'm sure we both wished, you know, it ended a little differently, but I think, you know, in, in, in the coming days, you know, I just had to kind of laugh it off with a sense of irony that, you know, I had this unbelievable, you know, I had this goal that I was single-mindedly focused on, you know, for, for months and months trying to get that Bengal bouts, you know, weight class championship. And then for it to, to ironically not quite fail, but not quite succeed at the same time, I think, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of disappointment, but most of it was just like, this is, that's the way it goes. Um, I think it, it certainly left me, you know, very hungry for the following year to, to redeem that tie and turn it into a win, which for various reasons, you know, I was unable to do. Um, but uh, you just have to take it in stride. You know, it's just one of the, one of the funny curveballs that life throws at you. I mean, oftentimes boxers talk about rolling with the punches and that's uh, a tangible example of uh, the best way through it sometimes is just to roll with it and not focus on the things you can't control. You alluded to where I actually was going next. Uh, That bout, that championship bout that ended in a draw occurred during your junior year. Senior year, you squared off uh, with an absolute ball dog of a competitor and arguably one of the fittest boxers in program history in Eric Riquette. What was going through your mind when you exited the ring for the last time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was a really interesting experience. I think, you know, I think I felt more emotion leaving the ring than I did at my graduation four months after that. And I remember feeling a sense of, have I done enough? You know, uh, my, my work here is done. You know, I hope I've done enough, you know, a, a sense of, you know, it was something I poured my heart and soul into for four years. You know, I, I had the opportunity to go to Bangladesh. I had the opportunity to be a captain my senior year. And, you know, had I done enough for this club, had I done enough for the people that I got to meet in Bangladesh. So it was just an experience of, you know, I hope I did it right. And, 
and knowing that, you know, you can't go back that forever, you know, forever the page was turned and a wall was placed between me and being a part of the Bengal bats, you know, you know, or being an active member of the Bengal bats that can really be a boxer and be a captain. And it was, um, it, it was tough, but it was just a sense of, you know, I hope I did a good job. I, I hope I, I hope I did what I was supposed to do and I hope I did it well. Mm. Um, if that makes any sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, um, what I remember about that bout was, um, I mean, there are some nights where it's just not a boxer's night. Um, and certainly opponents can have uh, a big role to play in that too. But um, the first two rounds didn't go as you would have hoped. And I remember it was a moment where it would have been easy despite it being an uphill climb for a boxer to just kind of pack it in and like, well, things haven't gone well and we'll just kind of float till the end here. Um, but, uh, but you decided to say, well, it's not going great, but we'll just, <laughs> we're gonna leave it all out there in the ring and um, we'll give it a go uh, in a moment where I think it would have been easy for a lot of people uh, to fold and, and you chose not to. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're very, very welcome. So I, I've got two questions left for you, both of which touch a bit on life beyond boxing. What lessons from the sport and from Bengal bouts have stayed with you and have you found yourself applying to life outside the ring? Hmm. I would say that work that, that mental effort plus physical effort can accomplish a lot of things. That, that hard work is rarely doesn't pay off. And I think, you know, it's pretty easy to look at, look at how unfair our circumstances might appear and how uphill the battle is and, and to find excuses as to why to not do things. And I think, you know, boxing is, is, is a painful endeavor. The training probably more so than the match itself. And sadly, life is too. Life is, life is very tough, um, especially if you want to, you know, especially if you want to get in the ring every day and, and compete. But if you work hard and if you work mentally hard, you know, you can, you can compete every day. You can, you can make yourself better and you can keep on taking on bigger and better challenges, but you have to, you have to go to work. You have to practice. You have to sweat. You have to suffer, but it's worth it. <laughs> it, it pays off. And, and I guess that, that is, that is the, the metaphor I've taken from four years of boxing and tried to apply to the rest of my life. You have to sweat. You have to sweat. sweat. Yeah. In a non-pandemic year, boxers would be just about two weeks away from weigh-ins. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that there's an element of, of butterflies kicking around in your stomach thinking back on that, or, or maybe that's just me as I place myself in that mindset. But you're now roughly two years away um, from being in the thick of a Bengal bout season. What have you missed most about Bengal bouts? That's another great question. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> um, 
I think I miss, I miss the club, man. I miss the guys. I miss, you know, I miss, I miss, you know, going to 6am practices with, you know, a bunch of other guys and you're all in your sweats and it's, you know, a foot of snow outside and, you know, you're trying to get into the, to the gym and everything's locked and you're frustrated. And, and I miss leaving the gym at, you know, 7pm at night and it's, you know, 10 degrees out and you're sweaty and you're tired and you're hungry and you have homework and you're doing it with these other guys that are great guys and just as committed as you are. And it's, it's just a special, unique feeling to, to work really hard with a bunch of other guys that are working just as hard as you. It is such a, such a great group of people, such a, such a cool environment that, you know, it's, you don't, you don't get many opportunities to participate in a team like that. And it was, it was such a cool, cool energy. Yeah. It's just, uh, for those who haven't lived it, the ability to suffer in solidarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's powerful. As you say, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's something special. Well, continuing the trend from our first season, we'll finish things up with uh, the opportunity for during this final round for you to give two shout outs, Cam, to fellow boxer, uh, a friend, a family member, two people who are a big part of your, your Bengal Bouch journey. I will, I will give my first shout out to a guy that went to Bangladesh with me and was a year above me and was such a good presence in the club and helped me help, gave, gave he gave me a lot of courage myself and that's Joey Quinones uh 2018 boxer you know one of the greatest men that's ever lived and ever lives that ever lives um so shout out to Joey and then and I'll give my second shout out to Dan Wilborn for being a great senior captain with me hold mitts for me all senior year and uh again give me a lot of confidence in the ring it's uh takes a special group of guys to, you know, to, to help train you. And I appreciate everyone that did. Well, thank you uh, for sharing those two shout outs. That concludes our first episode of season two. Thanks a ton to Cam for kicking us off on such a strong note. As with the women's season, the fundraising for the Holy Cross missions is as critical as ever. We'll have a link in each episode as well as in the podcast description where listeners can support the cause. Thanks so much for listening. Cam, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be back soon. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.